Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Scouted Football Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Donahue, and today I'm joined uh, by David Cartledge. Uh, he is a Spanish football expert uh, and editor at ESPN UK, as well as having been a, a regular contributor to the Scouted Football handbooks over the years. David, how, how are we doing? All good, thank you. It's, uh, it's nice to be on. I've been keen to get on the podcast, so it's good to finally be here. Yeah, it's great to have you on and it's good to have that very niche expertise in in Spanish football as well to maybe shine some light on some um, some more obscure uh, players in, in, in La Liga and in Segunda as well. Just to begin with, why was it Spanish football that you, that you became really interested in? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think um, it might have been a lot down to Deportivo La Coruña really. I think uh, when I first saw them and and Valencia when they were you know quite strong in the Champions League um I caught them every now and then and and, and I I was just always excited by the way that they they played um and still to this day Juan Carlos Valeron is is one of my favorite players um if not probably in my top 5 favorite players so I think I was kind of lured in by that and then after that you know as you do when you get interested in something you start investing in a little bit more research and things a bit more looking deeper at the stories the rivalries the players um the history and 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 yeah so that that got me interested um and then i eventually realized the dream of of moving out to spain uh, living there working there um amongst football and 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 that was such a great period and, and such a great um dis- decision um, and i look back on that as probably one of the best decisions i made especially moving to barcelona um, which is, you know, it was such a good time to to see Barcelona play, and it was such a good, you know, in in regards to youth football as well. It's probably one of the, the you know, it's a real hotbed in terms of the world, in terms of the players coming through, and I'm not even just talking about uh, La Masia, you know, the Espanol as well, you know, and even in the regions like Girona, there's there's a lot of fantastic uh, young Catalan kids um, who are playing, and 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 that. Again, it just it continued, you know, to you know to feed my interest in, in Spanish football, and yeah, gradually taking it from there. I've been writing about it, studying about it uh, for for so so long now, um, and and yeah, then and after many many years in Spain, uh, I eventually returned to England, and uh, at the moment I'm the head of uh, ESPN's UK uh, output in terms of their website. Yeah, very interesting that. Um, nice bit of background there. I mean, you mentioned that you moved to, to Spain and we were talking just before we, we came on air um, and we started recording that um, during your time when you were in Barcelona that you, you were encouraged to, to learn Catalan and you, and you could learn it for free. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, if you're, if you're living out there, if you become a resident there, then, uh, then yeah, they do. They encourage you to, to do that. I think it's all part of the integration and the, the respect that they have for the for the language so yeah if you've been out there and you know if you feel you know if you're out there at the point and you think oh my spanish is pretty good right now then yes you you, you do have that option as uh somebody to you know to, to learn it when I, I know there's other journalists who have done it um who have gone there and they've you know they thought like look that option's there and it's i think that's really interesting i think that's really you know, good to do i think it's so important to integrate into um the, the place where you live and then the city and the culture that you live in and i think that's a great uh thing to do so while you were out in Spain, um, you said you lived in, in a couple of different areas. Where was your where was your where was your favourite place to to live and to work in Spain? 
probably say I enjoyed my time in Barcelona the most. Um, you know, Valencia is a great city and I loved it there. And it was two very different experiences. Um, you know, um, Barcelona, very busy city, very, feel, feels like you're very much in the center of, uh, everything what's going on in Spain. And then Valencia is just a bit more chilled, a bit more relaxed, almost like a surf beach sort of vibes, but just a bit more relaxed. And it still had everything that Barcelona did. And that was, that was pretty cool in that sense. But I'd probably say Barcelona. It was important. It was the first place I moved to in Spain. Um, it was the first place I settled. It was the first time I, I was in Spain. And I thought, okay, Spain feels like my home. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was just a fantastic city. And I know a lot of people listen to this have probably been there for a few days, but you know, I mean, if you had that ambition to move out there, I think Barcelona is such a great place to, to start in, in, instead of even Madrid. You know, I think Barcelona is such a great city. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only been to Madrid before. And as you say, it's only been for a couple of days, but it kind of does it, the whole cultural aspect of it. And, and even the, the proximity, uh, I imagine, in Barcelona, being so close to, you know, the likes of like La Masia and Barcelona and Espanyol and and those those clubs that you know do continue to churn out those young players and especially working in in the field of, of football it must be um, yeah. must be incredible to to live and work there but yeah it's 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 very interesting it's great to have you on as well um, so thanks for that um, but you uh, you've been a regular contributor to the Scouted Football Handbooks over the years um, and obviously with your with your Spanish football expertise that they're uh, their, their profiles that we do really appreciate that you take out the time to write for us. Um, but in the most recent handbooks, um, you've written four in the last three editions, I believe. Um, Cucho yeah. Hernandez, Dani Olmo, Vinicius Junior, and Samu Chukwese. I mean, yeah. can you just give us a brief a brief overview on, on, on what's, what it's like watching those players? Yeah, it has. It's been exciting. I think that's the great thing with following Spanish football for so long. You know, I've seen some of these kids when they were at the... You know, hooving their level, um, even infantile in, in in some cases with some of the, especially some of the Barcelona players because you have you have a bit more access to watching Barcelona's youth players. Um, but yeah, it's been great. You know, you see a guy like Chukwesi come through. Um, you know, his 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 time in the B team was so you know minimal because they they just fast tracked him through to the first team, and that was always interesting to see. With Danny Olmo, you know, he made a unbelievably brave decision. I think. Uh, not just to go abroad, but to go to Croatia, you know, that, that turn, that raised a lot of eyebrows um, because of how talented he was. But, you know, he, he, it's been justified. He's, uh, he's played a lot of football and, and, and not many other players his age can, can say that, especially at the level that he, that he has played at. So, so that's also been interesting. You know, Cucho is just this, you know, you see this little wrecking ball burst under the scene that, that he is and, you know, what he did in Segunda at such a young age, you know, was, was really, really impressive. And then Vinicius as well, you know, he came in at Real Madrid and yes, he had a bit of a bad injury towards the end of his first season, but, you know, he burst under the scene fantastically and it's going to be interesting to see them all progress, I think, in the, in the near future and, and long term, of course. Brilliant. I mean, you mentioned Danny Olmo and that decision of him to to, to go to what was in effect, the Croatian league is, is effectively like a, a footballing backwater, really. Um, but yeah. the way that he's thrived there and the way that he's taken on that quite a ballsy decision to go out there and, and, and do so well, and, you know, now playing in the Champions League, a, a Spanish under 12, 21 international and captain and, and European champion. And, you know, he, he's really, he's definitely a success story of one of the ones who, who's left La Masia. Um, we'll get on to Daniel more later in the pod. Um, but before you came on, we, we discussed, um, you know, the, maybe a few players that had caught your eye, um, obviously, with, with your Spanish football expertise that people may not have heard of before. And 
I'll admit I hadn't heard of um, both of these players, but you picked out uh, Pedri at uh, Las Palmas and Mohamed Salisu at Real Valladolid. I was just, I mean, I've done a little bit of, uh, of, of research on them on the background, but I'd, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you tell everybody who who they are and, and what they're about. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the best place to start with Pedri because uh, you know, 16 years old, he's he's already got to move to Barcelona lined up. Um, you know, and he's really just the way he's burst under the scene. Um, you know, has been phenomenal. Uh, he made his debut in August against uh, Huesca, and then you know he came straight from the the juvenile team, the, the under 19s. Um, he's already got a move uh, locked down to Barcelona. Apparently, an offer from a Premier League club was was turned down for him as well. Um, but Barcelona's let him stay there on loan, let him learn, let him play week in week out. Uh, he's a little attacking midfielder. Can also play in a wide role, second striker role. Very, very quick, unbelievable dribbling ability and, and skill. And he's already banging in goals. He's, you know, assists. He's, he's really been the sensation. Honestly, he's been. I would probably say that in terms of all the young players in Spain, alongside I'd probably say alongside Ansu Fati, he's probably been the, the biggest sensation in terms of the the young players that have come through this season. And he is one I think scouting football will be will be talking a lot about in the next few years. Yeah, you mentioned uh, Ansu Fati there, and and obviously with him mm. with him being quite a, a a sensation, you know, bursting onto the scene as a sixteen year old with Barcelona, Pedri outside of Spain probably doesn't get the, you know, the um, the intrigue and, and the furor that, that yeah. Ansu Fati gets because he is playing in Segunda, but to be sixteen years old and to be playing in 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 a, at a good level, uh, which the Segunda still is, uh, is is still something to be to be of note really, and it, it, it's good one that. That one definitely should be, you know, shone a light on on Pedri. Um, I mean, yeah. with Las Palmas, um, there's a there's a rich history of, of football players coming from the Canary Islands. Precisely, the likes of Pedro, um, the likes of uh, Ayose Perez, um, for, who is at Leicester City now. I mean, the, there is there's, there's a footballing education there that I think, perhaps without the distractions that maybe you know players in big cities might have. That you know, it, it allows them to concentrate on their football and really develop. Yeah, absolutely. And Segunda is a great, great place to learn. Um, not only is it a difficult league, you've got to come against some pros, people who have been around Spain, you know, journeymen, some tough players. But it's also you get the time, you get the space, you get the opportunities that you perhaps wouldn't, uh, you know, in the, in the top flight or elsewhere, and, and, and the opportunity for regular minutes. And, and Pedro has shown that. You know, if you're good enough, you will get the chance. And and, and look, there's not much money about that division either. So Las Palmas can't fill their squad with all sorts of different players. They have to rely on their youth setup, and, and so they should, because as you've rightly pointed out, between Las Palmas and Tenerife, they produce an incredible amount of players. Um, you know, Las Palmas, you know, David Silva, Juan Carlos Valeron, you know, the different player. You know, it's a certain type of player as well. Very impressive, you know, you know technically intelligent players. Um, you know, who, who aren't maybe necessarily incredible physically. But in terms of their vision and their IQ on the field, they're always intelligent. And I think that's because of you know how Las Palmas is. <laughs> you've got beaches there. You've got the you know you've got the tight streets where players you know where they learn. I know I read a great interview with Ayuso Perez, and he said he, he never he can't remember a time when he was a kid and he didn't have a ball at his feet, and he was constantly going everywhere. He's, even if he went to the shops to pick up some groceries for his for his mother, he was kicking a ball there and back. So it's that kind of mentality. And, and, and which which is great, and and that's and yeah, it is. It's a real hotbed of, 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 uh, of talented young players, I think, on the islands. 
Yeah, you mentioned there David Silva. I completely neg neglected to mention, of course, uh, you know, one of the most famous players in recent Spanish football history. Um, but also at Las Palmas this season, um, perhaps maybe taking Pedri under his wing is um, Ruben Castro, uh, who obviously began his career at, at Las Palmas. He's now returned there, 38 years old. I mean, do you think that being under the stewardship of, of a player like him, who plenty yeah. of gold in La Liga, plenty of experience um, over the years... Do you, do you think that that's, that's a good environment for, for Pedri to be and to, to be working with those types of, of, of players and, and those types of men? Absolutely. Ruben Castro has been there and you know, he's done it all, he's seen it all. And, and yeah, he's a, he's a great, great person to, to have around. And, and Jonathan Vieira's come back as well now. As, and I think he is probably the one who can compare, you know, who Pedri can look up to the most in terms of Vieira because he's quite similar type of player, a little attacking midfielder. Um, also, you, you know, Vieira had a few issues when he was younger I think you know that here on last here in Las Palmas you know there was the party and the going out things like that so maybe Vieira now older a bit more wiser he can maybe say look don't do some of the things that I you know did that you know that maybe stopped me from progressing at certain clubs or you know stopped me from reaching a higher level than I did even though Vieira is a fantastic player um you know and and so I think Vieira is a good you know person for him to look up to yeah, I mean, I remember when Jonathan Vieira was kind of breaking through at Las Palmas and, you know, he got that move to Valencia and he was yeah. kind of billed as this, you know, there was so much made about him, but he promised so much and then kind of didn't really fulfil and didn't really deliver. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, has he since gone to China? Yeah, he went to China for a little bit as well. He's had spells out on loan at Rio. He was he was good at Las Palmas as well for a little bit, and and he's he's been brilliant at times. I remember there was a spell at Las Palmas when they were in Primera. He was just single handedly playing. You know, it was him versus everyone else every single week. And you know, he, like you mentioned, he came through the youth academy, and you remember that. And he came through with Vitolo as well. And Las Palmas, Las Palmas really thought they had a special pair on their hand. And and yeah, they've looked like their their careers haven't been flopped by any means. Vitolo's Atletico Madrid. Vieira, you know, has played for some good clubs as well, and he's done some great things, and 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 yeah, so they both can you know be happy with, with how their careers have gone. Just coming back to Pedri, there, I mean, he's already yeah. a Spanish under eighteen international, um, mm. and predominantly a left winger, if I'm not mistaken. But as you were mentioning earlier, he's got a handful of goals already and an assist in Segunda in about eight eight or nine games so so far, and yeah, I think just getting those minutes so early on at sixteen in a good division. In a, in a division which, as you mentioned, you know, there are like, people like Ruben Castro, you know, fully grown yeah. you know, players where they've they've been through oh, the yeah. ringer, been there, they've done it, they've seen it all. I think it's a great place for, for a player like that to develop. Um, but as, as you also said, he's, he's agreed to transfer to Barcelona, which will which will take effect at mm. the end of the season. Yeah. Um, just looking looking ahead to that, it, it's, it's always hard to predict. And I, I don't actually like using the word predict, but how do you see sort of the forecast of his next few years at, at Barcelona taking shape? I wouldn't be surprised. Me. I mean, he's got, obviously, until the end of the season, uh, Las Palmas, I wouldn't be surprised if they gave him another year there because, you know, he might still be playing regularly in Segunda. I mean, what are the options? You know, he goes to Barcelona and they're inevitably going to put him in the B team. Um, and there's still so many players in the B team, you know, he should, I think, be playing at a higher level. Barcelona's B team is not in Segunda anymore, you know, they're further down and he's just in a good place right now, Pedri. I, I just... He needs to maybe look at it and think, oh, maybe I spend another year at Las Palmas after this season. And then after that, I maybe look at it and say, well, OK, what's my options to get in the Barcelona first team? If there isn't any, then he says, OK, maybe I look to get a good loan in, in Primera um, like others have done. You know, It's worked out really, really well for, for somebody like Cucurella. 
you know, who, who I'm sure we'll talk about here today. And he's picked the right types of loans. And, and that's what Pedri maybe needs to do if he does have to go out and loan. There's no shame in it. He just, uh, he matures a bit more somewhere. Well, exactly. I mean, he's 2002 born. He's still 16 years old. Um, so yeah. in a season's time, you know, he's still going to be at a level where he's played so much more football than players of his same of the same age. And as you, as you say, he's just going to go into Barcelona's B team. So you will be looking for a loan. It's easy to to strike parallels, but, you know, the story of Martin Odegaard and, you know, going out on loan to all these places. And finally, he's actually get, he's back into La Liga and he's been excellent, absolutely excellent for Real Sociedad. And yeah. uh, it's just it's just about taking time and and nurturing players' development because at the end of the day, progress and development isn't linear. And especially at sixteen, bursting onto the scene as it is, very 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 few players will go from being sixteen to twenty eight and never have a bad season. So I think yeah, we need to temper expectations around Pedri and just let him play his football. And I think as you've been saying, he is the type of player that, you know, will will get his head down. He's surrounded by a good core group of, 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 of players who are going to help him develop and in a good environment. And yeah, he's definitely one to, to keep an eye on for, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I said, I think he's in the right place and there's simply no, no rush at all. We just, uh, you know, not get bogged down by things like tactics and positions and, and what's going to happen when he goes to Barcelona. And he just needs to be allowed to play at Las Palmas, play with freedom and then, yeah, that's that's the most important thing. Yeah, the most important thing, just letting players play. Um, the another player that you mentioned was Mohamed Salisu. Um, yeah, he's a centre back at Rayo Valladolid, um, and I had not heard about Salisu at all before you mentioned him. Had a had a little look, um, but just it was quite interesting. Quite seems quite aerially dominant. Um, but also not too not too shy about you know getting his foot on the ball and maybe stepping it stepping out of defence ever so slightly. But he didn't play a single minute in La Liga last season and has started every game for Valladolid this year. I mean, to, I mean, to, tell me more about Salisu. Tell everybody about about him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's just been again another one who's burst out of nowhere um, in terms of he was in he was in the B team. Um, he came from the African Talent Football Academy, uh, from born in Accra, Ghana, six foot three inch centre back. Um, and like you say, yes, you know, six foot three inch African centre back. I guess everyone's going to think, you know, the, the usual things, you know, strong, physically, you know, uh, empowering. But that's simply, I mean, that is true. But there is just so much more to his game. He's been so comfortable um, on the ball and in how he plays. Um, Valladolid uh, had to sell uh, Ivan Cairo uh, in the in the summer. He went to Espanyol uh, after they sold Mario Hermoso on to Atletico Madrid. So it was, and he stepped up there. So Real Valladolid didn't bother signing a new young centre back. They just said, right, we're going to promote this kid. We think he's ready. Um, Sally Sue has has come in and and honestly he hasn't looked out of place at all. You can't believe that this is his first season, um, you know, as a as a professional. Um, I know he made his debut. He made his debut. Um, when he played uh, against Tafe uh, in in the Copa del Rey um, last season, but um, it's this season, you know, he's actually coming. He's now a fully fledged first team member. Um, he's just been so smooth in everything that he does um, when he's on the ball. I'd say the only thing um, I left a few tweets about this that looked a bit off with him were um, how he, he reads the game, his anticipation. He's still a little bit rash. He's still rushes in at times he's still you know just a bit quick to react he's a bit over eagerness I think you know he's 20 year old he's just coming to the first team he's eager to be on the balls first he's eager to you know get in the tackle he's eager to stop somebody sometimes he just needs to wait and read the game but 
you can see game by game he's growing against Atletico Madrid. He had his best performance in a by the lead shirt, and that was it. wasn't due to how good he was on the wasn't was on the ball. It wasn't how physically you know dominating he was. It was simply how he read the game. So it shows that he's progressing in that sense, an area that you could define as a weakness, um, which I thought was really really impressive to see so early. He hasn't he hasn't even reached double digits yet in terms of appearances for either lead. And his growth is going to be really, really interesting to watch over the course of the season. He's already been given a long-term contract as well. Um, you know, in May 2019, he, he signed a, a long-term deal for 2022. Um, his release clauses are still quite low, I believe. Not too sure the exact figure, but still quite low. And it wouldn't surprise me at the end of the season if teams are looking at him. You mentioned there just at the end that he's not in uh, double digits yet for, for appearances for, for Valladolid. Yeah. And I mean, it's quite it's quite remarkable, really, that he's 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 holding his own in a team that were fighting relegation last season. You know, they've they've already had draws against Real and Atleti this season, and and the two one opening day win against Betis. And these are these are scalps for for any team for any centre back, yeah. um, and for for a twenty year old who hasn't had any real top flight experience before August. It's, it's it's quite impressive, and as you as you were saying, you know there is so much to his game. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't look overawed or uh, intimidated by you know the players that he's coming up against, and I mean fair play to him because if as I mean as you say, you've watched a lot more of him than I have, but if as you say, you know he he seems to be growing game by game and and looking more confident, then surely he's going to be someone who is is only going to get better, and if he's getting better exponentially. Then yeah, mm-hmm. you know that release clause, it's going to be looking a bit, you know, a bit yeah. shady further and, down the line. And, and I think Ghana will be looking to call him up as well. You know, you look at their back line, and and there's not many players there. You, you know, they've got Baba Rahman, you've got Jonathan Mensah there, uh, John Boy's 32 now as well, and and Salisu is somebody who you can think, oh, he can come in and, and he can make it his own. You know, and then along with uh, I think along with Thomas Partey. He's, you know, that's like that's a nice little Liga-based uh, spine there that they've, they've got in the team. Yeah, there's also um, Joseph Aidu, who's just signed for for Celta Vigo. Yes, um, from, yes. From Genk, who who actually really impressed me at the beginning of the season. Um, I was really taken aback by just how, because he's not the tallest centre half, but he's not very physical. But he's very he's he's very intelligent at how he reads the game, which makes him look yep. a lot quicker than he actually is. So yeah, um, absolutely. There's that as well, and as you mentioned, it's quite a nice little. Um, La Liga esque spine in, in what could be you know Ghana's first team in in, in the years to come, but yeah, mm. I mean Salisu, it's he's another one who again should just be allowed to play football. Of course, there's yeah. going to be a lot more pressure on him with him at Valladolid than than Pedri at, mm. at, at Las Palmas um, because you know Valladolid are inevitably probably going to be threatened by relegation again this season. Yeah, purely purely a budgetary thing. Um, yeah, but, I mean he's he's gonna make he's gonna make errors and he already has made a few and he's gonna make more, but he's just gotta be allowed to make them and, and learn from them. If he can put in a performance like he did against Atletico Madrid, when he's clearly learned from what he did maybe wrong the previous week, I think it was or the previous uh, week before that, then he's clearly seen something in his game. He's thinking, all right, I'm not doing something right here. Maybe I should try and improve it. And he's doing that already. And he's still only young. He's still in his first season. It's great. As, as a young player, you have to have that willingness to learn as well. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you're not willing to take on board what the coaches and the analysts are saying to you, then you know what's what's the point. I mean, if if he has if he has a good attitude and he obviously has the skills and and, and the application and the aptitude to to apply yeah. that, 
then you know there's no there's no saying that he can't be a top level centre half. Obviously, very exactly. early days, you know, eight La Liga games or whatever it is. But again, going back to those those performances, you know, against Atleti, against Real, against Betis, you you can't just get any centre half from the B team or the youth team and put them in there and expect them to to be all right. Yeah, um, I think the you know that long term contract that he was given until twenty twenty two, not only protect Real via the lead from from losing him early for not much money, but it also says like, look, we you know you, you've warranted this. We we rate you very very highly, and, and you can be our first choice centre back in time. Um, and and I think that's just a massive vote of confidence for him. And and Salisu can now concentrate on on his football and purely on that. Yeah, so that just wraps about uh, wraps up our section on uh, David's picks there. Uh, Pedri at Las Palmas and Salisu at Real Valladolid. Um, I've gone for a few more generic picks uh, and one which ties in with with David's profiles in the Scouted Football Handbook. Uh, we touched on Danny Olmo before, um, but we also touched on uh, Mark Kukureya, uh, who is on loan at Getafe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, he had a he had a year at Ibar, um, where I think it toughened him up a little bit. Um, and now Hitafe is definitely a, a finishing school. It's a, a lot more tougher place. I think it will improve him defensively. They play so organised. Um, it's just how it is. Every player has to contribute in a big way def- on, on the defensive aspects. Um, and he, he, you know he's playing he's playing more advanced at the moment. So Hitafe, you know, they lack a little bit of speed. They lack a little bit of ingenuity in that final third. Somebody who can drive in the penalty area. Um, and and he's somebody who can do that and has already shown. Um, that he's giving Hitafe what they, you know, desperately needed. So it looks like it could be another really successful loan for him. Yeah, well, I mean, with Hitafe, every, every, everybody knows that they're a hard-working side. They are, I mean, arguably the hardest-working side in La Liga, and they've showed they showed that last season with with their fantastic finish. Um, you know, qualifying mm. for for the Europa League um, on such a on such a small budget compared to the teams around them. Um, do you think that I mean, will the expectation be that he continues as a left-sided midfielder rather than rather than a left back? Um, I think a wing back is probably where he'll end up being. I can't see him, you know, just somewhere in between between that left back and that left wing slot. I can't see him staying as a left winger, you know, all the time. It's just not something that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I, I just do see him become maybe a wing back, and and that's about it. I think he's he's enjoying playing in an advanced area right now, and he can contribute so so much, but. But yeah, I think a le- like a left wing back, you know, if somebody who plays a three five two sort of or a three four three, you can you can play like that. There'll be competition for places now on that left flank with them um, with Kennedy coming in uh, from Chelsea as well. Um, I think do you reckon they'll fulfil a similar role in the sense that you know they can both go forward and have the skill set to do so, um, but are both robust enough to to be shoehorned into that left back role if necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I think the thing with uh, the advantage that Kukureya has uh, over Kennedy is he's more defensively aware. He, you know, he has played there a lot more than Kennedy has, and I think that's the advantage that he has. And and, and look, Kuku, uh, he's already started really, really well for Tafe, so he's you know he's in Borrelas's plans, so he's got a, a head start in that sense. Yeah, you mentioned that he's he's in Borrelas's plans. Then I mean, it's hard to it's hard for him not to be when you see him when he's on the ball. He he seems quite active when he's without it as well though so uh, yeah he seems the type of player that uh, that Bordelas would would love to have in his team because he's just such a hard worker and you know he's just very busy even when he doesn't have possession which I mean in a team like Hitafe where they pride themselves on their on their industrious you know approach 
that is going to be something which you know ticks all ticks all the managers' boxes. Um, I mean, are there any concerns about his ability to beat players? Just from watching him in, in the Europa League this season, he's he's been okay. Um, maybe you know the the more advanced left left wing left midfield roles, but in terms of beating players, he does look more like a left back than a left than a left winger. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, but he's so so direct in the way that he plays, and he causes so many fouls. It's unbelievable, uh, and I think that's what is really really interesting. Um, how directly he is, and that's so so dangerous. You know, it's not it's horrible to defend against, and and he, he needs to keep playing that way. And yeah, he needs to improve his decision making as a young player. But yeah, I think he's doing all the right things to be honest with you at the moment. So I mean, uh, this summer you mentioned that he had um, he had uh, a year at Debar, uh, and mm. now obviously he's at uh, Hetafe on loan. So I mean, what happened between uh, Ebar Barcelona and, and Hetafe this summer? Yeah, it was all it was all really really confusing actually. I think Barcelona ended up doing other things in the transfer market, and they they thought you know that maybe you know Cuckoo was going to come back, and then they thought he was going to go to Atafi at one point. Uh, sorry, uh, Ibar back back to Ibar at one point. Ibar I think thought they were getting him back, and then he just ended up going to Atafi. I think they maybe saw him as a better move uh, for him, um, and and I understand that completely. I know a few Barcelona fans were a little bit confused and maybe not happy that he was going to a team like Atafi, where there is this stereotype that they are overly defensive and aggressive team but I think that's good for Kukureya's game and I, I really do think he's in the right place and, and honestly he developed so much as a player after this season Yeah, in, in terms of, of player development we've alluded to it already but just coming on to, to Dani Olmo now who's still at GNK Dynamo Zagreb uh, in, in Croatia uh, obviously playing in, in the Champions League now as well um, in the Manchester City's group alongside Shakhtar Janetsk and Atalanta Um I mean, he is one with with a very interesting story, and you know, kind of burst onto the scene last year and what was a breakthrough campaign. But he'd been plucking away, putting the hard work in over the last three, four, five years um, to, to to get to this position. And you know, his is a story which is one of you know hard work pays off, and now he's at a, a position where he's kind of on the cusp of being, you know, one of those really sought after players in in Europe's top five leagues. He just made such a, a brave bold decision and, and it's worked so much in his favour um, year by year he's played more football and become more important to um, you know, to do to Zagreb but not only that but he's also now very much played so impressively he's worked his way into the thoughts of, of Spain and of big European clubs and uh, it is simply just a matter of time before he ends up um, with a very very decent move there was a lot of talk of Atletico, of Atletico Madrid and still seeing and uh, Valencia have been discussed and there's just been a lot of clubs discussed basically and I can definitely see him ending up um, somewhere um, uh, even in January you know yeah I suppose with it being you know with him being in Croatia the the, the expectation is even though they did beat Atalanta 4-0 in their um, in their opening game in the Champions League this season uh, there, there, there is the expectation that it'll be Manchester City and, and Shakhtar that will that will progress in in that um, in that group uh, with you know Atalanta maybe putting up a bit of a fight, but uh, yeah, in January there, there's there's the the possibility that you know a, a La Liga club will finally come calling for him and go well you know it'll be a glorious return you know the prodigal son returns to Spanish football after you know cutting his teeth in in Croatia for f- four or five years. As a player, I mean, I've watched a lot of Danny Olmo. You wrote about Danny Olmo in, in Volume 2 of the Scouted Football Handbook uh, print edition. 
Um, you mentioned his ability in tight spaces. You mentioned his close control, uh, his agility. But is there anything this year in particular in sort of the past six months or so since you wrote the profile that has shown that he's developed his game and maybe he's, he's stood out a bit more? Just better decision-making. I think, you know, you, you look at him around the final third now and you, you always expect the, the, the right pass from him or the right, you know, in terms of his timing and when to use a certain type of skill or, or when to beat a man. His decision-making looks to have improved tenfold. He's probably hit a ceiling, um, very much so, actually, at, at, in Croatia. And he should have been getting a move in the summer. It didn't happen for, for whatever reason. Um, and, yeah, he looks ready now to, to step up and, you know, to play against better players, I think, week in, week out. That is now the next thing what his game needs. So not necessarily, oh, this area of his game is weak or this area of his game needs improvement. He just needs to be playing his current game against a better calibre of players. That will, in turn... Um, you know, urge him to, to to improve in certain areas, and he will learn. Oh, I can't really do that now at this level. Or I maybe need to, you know, look around a bit more at this level. I can't try and beat four or five players because I'm not playing against, with all respect to people in in that in that league where he's playing at the moment. You, you know, he, you know, not playing against that caliber of player. So he'll do different things, and his game will be shaped in a different way. So I think that's the thing what he needs next, and, and you know what I've seen from him. One of the things that really stood out to me um, was how alert he is to everything. Um, and his, his his goal in the final of the um, under-21 European Championships uh, against Germany, where he seizes on an error by Alexander Nubel and just chips it over him and then slots it into the back of the net. That was, it was, it was really, really noteworthy because he was the fastest to react of any player on the pitch. His ability to to anticipate things, um, whether they're happening with other players' movement or where yeah. an opportunity is going to open up, you know, with that excellent vision that he has, mm-hmm. is is definitely one of his his hallmark attributes. Yeah, he's got great awareness on the on the field, and I think the way he presses is also very aggressive. Um, I think he's been taught that, and and yeah, he he will cause a lot of problems, not just when he's on the ball, but also when he is without it, as he pointed out. Stylistically, um, with the expectation that he probably will get a move to, to La Liga at some point, um, mm. stylistically, which which club in, in the in the top flight do you think would be a good fit for him? I'm thinking maybe somebody. Uh, I'm thinking potentially Valencia or Sevilla. I think he fits those profiles really, really well. Um, I'd, I'd love to see him end up there, but I can ugh, I just feel it almost inevitable he'll end up at potentially Dortmund uh, or Bayern. Um, you know, I mean, can you imagine Sancho going and then Olmo coming in? I mean, that that just seems like something what Dortmund would do. So I can I can see something like that happening. And so he does want to return to Spain. That's the thing. I think he'll look for that. But if he realizes his only way of getting out of Croatia is to go to maybe Germany, um, potentially Italy, then I think he will do it. Yeah, I think it it is inevitable that he will eventually leave Croatia in the near future, and that is to be expected. You know, as you were saying, he's reached his ceiling there. He has outgrown that league. I mean, I think at the start of this season there was a there was a stage where he went through twelve games or so, or it might have been ten, uh, where he scored or assisted in every game in you know uh, Champions League qualifiers in the Croatian league, uh, and you did get the impression that. Yes, he he has outgrown these surroundings, and he does need a new challenge, as as you were alluding to before. That you know he needs to play his game, but he needs to play it against better opposition and more regularly because that'll 
be the real acid test of, of how good a player he can be because at the moment it, it is a bit of much of a muchness because he's a star in Croatia, but would he necessarily be a star in Spain? And I, I mean, I think he's got the skill set to be able to do that, but it, it, it all depends on where he gets his move to, whether he gets the minutes. And, and as you, as you say, I mean, even if he went to Germany and, you know, whether he was able to settle there and, or, or even Italy. So it, he, he's very much an interesting one. He's a, He's an exciting player with a great skill set and one that, I mean, the two of us love watching, um, watching play. So it's definitely one to, to keep an eye on because be, he will be getting a move um, in, in the near future. Uh, another uh, player that you've written a profile on uh, who I've also got quite a, a slight affinity towards, perhaps not as much as you, David, uh, but is Cucho Hernandez, uh, who was at Huesca uh, for the past two seasons. Uh, and is currently on loan at Real Mallorca, uh, again in in La Liga. Mm. You mentioned earlier on that he's just this wrecking ball of a of a centre forward, and he is. He's he's just this little bullet, and he's very very exciting to watch. And he scored two goals on his Colombian debut, I believe. I mean, yeah. you, you've watched a lot more of Cucho than I have, but he's such a striking player. I mean, what was it that kind of caught your eye when when you first began to began to see him? I think the just the intensity, the aggression, uh, the aggression that he uh, that he played the game with. Um, he's he's all or nothing. He's he's very much all out the way that he plays. He's just uh, explosive. Really, is the word that you use to describe him. Um, and yeah, he tailed off a little bit. I thought towards the end of the spell at Huesca. Um, I don't know whether maybe he just reached the finishing point with that. It was a bad side, a, a very defensive side in the end. I think as they look to retain their status. Um, so it was difficult for him, and this loan kind of just has to, you know, just he has to enjoy his football again and, and try, you know, play expansively like how he does and, and maybe mature a little bit at the same time. He's got an injury at the moment, so yeah, it's going to take time for him. And again, he's in another difficult situation. It's another club down there. The it will be down there at the bottom. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes for him. Yeah, he's on loan from Watford, which is an interesting one um, because it's kind of that asset management portfolio sort of player that isn't doesn't really have a have a a base essentially because you wouldn't class Watford as his as his as his base because he hasn't played there and he hasn't yeah. been in England for the past three seasons um yeah but just going back to two seasons ago um to 17-18 when he was at uh, Huesca in in Segunda uh, when they were promoted I mean I, I remember seeing on your timeline quite a lot at the time that he he was just and that that is actually what what Raised uh, raised him uh, to to my attention to to begin with, but not only his goals record, but just the way that he played against you know these mature defenses that he was just blowing them away. Uh, I mean, what was it that really just caught your eye in that in that Segunda in that Segunda season? Yeah, just that, just again, just that intensity, that explosiveness he played with. It reminds me of Guerrero when I first saw him for uh, for Atletico Madrid. Obviously, he took a move uh, to Atletico very very early in his career after. Emerging on the scene in the Pendiente, and and he reminded me of him the way he was just this, so small but very very strong, and just had this ob absurdly powerful shot and this eye for goal and able to just turn and swing uh, when on the edge of the box or just turn up or just move towards a player and just completely you know you know shimmy them out the way, um and and that's what I think stood out I mean, just that attack and aggression and intensity. Regarding his his player ownership, um, obviously being at Watford and him being on loan in La Liga for two seasons, one season in Segunda, where do you 
see his future likely lying part beyond this season? Um, I think Watford, you know, it all depends on how how the loan works out. If he has a good loan, then maybe you know, and Watford get a ridiculous offer for him, then they might sell him. But no, they might also look to use him if they are going to move on any players. Um, maybe they will say like, look, we can give him a chance in the team, and they say, you know, maybe he's for us. Which will be really interesting to see uh, if he does. But yeah, I think all options are on the table probably for Watford. That's just the way their business model works now. A familiar one with, sorry, a similar one with uh, Dodi Lukabakio, um, who was also on the books of Watford last season, had a very successful loan with Fortuna Dusseldorf uh, and yeah. has since earned himself a move to, to Hertha um, BSC in, in the Bundesliga. And that's fully merited um, because he was he was very good for Fortuna, really dragged him out of a hole at times. Uh, scored a hat trick against Bayern, which was, um, I think, what dry, uh, brought him to the attention of, of most people. But with Watford in dire straits in the Premier League at the moment, yeah, they, they, there might be offers coming in for, for a player like Cucho. And even if he didn't have a great season with Mallorca, if he's you know plagued by injuries or a little bit, or you know they're, they're struggling, and as you said with Huesca, you know trying to retain their La Liga status, then you know a club might be able to pick him up on on the cheap or relatively cheap for for the for the potential that he has, which, I mean, he, because he does, he has that potential. And it's funny that you mentioned that um, that comparison to, to Sergio Aguero when he was breaking through at Independiente, uh, because he does have that sort of, that dynamism and, and explosiveness that, that you described. And yeah, Cucho's, uh, Cucho is another one who um, should be watched by a number of clubs, and I'm sure he is. Uh, but yeah. Real Mallorca, alongside the likes of uh, Take Kubo, there now as well. They've got the makings of a really, maybe not overly functional, but a very exciting side with with the individual talent that they have. It, look, he just needs to kick on again, and then I don't think he's, you know, after the way everything ended with Huesca, then yeah, yeah, I just think he needs to remind everybody what he's about and what he showed in that uh, that season in Segunda. Anyway, uh, David, you have been a regular contributor to the Scouted Football Handbooks over the years, um, and you've written four profiles for for us this year. Um, one we haven't touched on was uh, Vinicius Junior, uh, who's of course at Real Madrid, very hard to to ignore. I mean, there's a lot made about Vinicius, and whether you know there are parallels between him and Usman Dembele at Barcelona and whether they'll be the same sort of player that promises so much and then perhaps maybe doesn't deliver to the extent or I mean do you reckon that's a, a that's a, a there's a likelihood there that that might happen or do you reckon that it's just the expectation when players like Vinicius come in there's just too much expectation on on the shoulders of such a young teenage maverick player yeah absolutely we've seen it with so so many uh, young players, especially when you go to a club like Real Madrid, and yeah, the pressure on him and uh, the criticism I think is absurd at times. Uh, we just have to remember how young he is, how well he he played in that uh, early, you know, when he first started out, and people really need to lay off uh, him. Quite frankly, yes, be constructive with the criticism, the coaches, people like that who are working with him every single day. But um, no, the criticism has been way over the top. I think at times, and then the question, you know. The, there shouldn't be any of it. They should just be letting him play once again. Because when he has played, um, and he's been in his, uh, focused, he's been sensational. Yeah, it's a, it's a common theme of this podcast. It's that's been developing. It's just that these players they have a certain way of playing, and they just need to be allowed to to do their thing um, without too much expectation on their shoulders. And 
a club like Real Madrid, you're not going to be afforded that time. It's just the culture that is that is Real Madrid. So you do have that expectation where you have to hit the ground running. Um, and in the circumstances, he really hasn't done that badly. I mean, he's he's done well. For, for want of a better term, he has. He's done well. And we, again, we're forgetting, you know, how how young he is and how much potential he showed and he's still got so much more to give and I don't think that you know the the scapegoating sometimes when Real don't have a, a have a great result or you know maybe he's taken a shot from a poor location and there's a video of it on Twitter or something and people jump on it I think it's a bit sensationalist at times you know he's still you know a teenage winger who has the world at his feet and he should be allowed to play I mean yeah. Was there um was was there anything when you when you were writing his profile that that made you kind of want to hold back on sort of that you know maybe you should lay off on the criticism side of things or did you kind of have to temper the um temper the expectation? Yeah, I always try I try to. I mean, look with every single player, it's you know you see some incredible things uh, from at a young age, but then you also see some bad things. The, 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 the I think the key is just to find the perfect balance. Don't get too excited and don't get you know, over you know, oversell, over exaggerate players' abilities, but at the same time as well, don't be too harsh in the criticism if they are doing something wrong. Like we said about Sally Sue before, I can clearly see what's wrong with his game, but I'm not going to go. Oh man, he's absolutely shocking in this regard. Why? What's the point? Is uh, you know, there's and it's the same with Vinicius. He's just come onto the scene in in La Liga. He's a big club like Real Madrid. If he was out on loan at Real Mallorca last season in in Segunda, then nobody would have batted an eyelid because he just would have been out of the spotlight. Um, and that's just how it is. And But at Real Madrid, everybody sees everything that you do, the good and the bad, both get amplified considerably. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, you know, you have to find that perfect balance, I think. Yeah, it's all about finding that balance, letting those players play and, and, and you know, seeing how they develop. And I, I've got every faith that, that Vinicius will, will, be a, will be a mainstay of, of, of top-level sides for, for years to come. Um, just uh, about to close the podcast, but before we do, uh, David, you've got two profiles in the volume upcoming volume four, which we're looking to release um, towards the end of November, might be early December. Um, I mean, without disclosing who they are, of course, uh, just yet. I mean, can you maybe allude to you know why you've earmarked those two players as as players that that you feel are fit to to profile in in this volume four? Two players with links to Real Madrid. Um, obviously that, that doesn't give too much away because there's so many players with the links to Real Madrid um, currently not at the club so you know there's, there's, there's many names there you can look at um, and I think both uh, are aware and, and, and learning a lot and you know are two prospects Real Madrid to seriously consider in the next few years if they continue on the trajectory that they have um, learning at different Types of clubs in different er- in different in different positions in terms of one clubs are a bit more below down the other ones higher up in the uh, in in the ta- in the table that they are in and I think that's a good thing as well you know you, you have to find the right type of loan moves and I think Real Madrid's done really really well here in both regards if the early signs are anything to go by so I'm really looking forward to writing those profiles but also looking forward to seeing uh, how they perform over the the, the next few years. Brilliant. That's all great stuff. Uh, looking forward to that for sure. Um, well, that just about wraps things up for us on this week's pod. Um, thanks to David for, for coming on. I'm sure it won't be your last appearance on the Scouted Football podcast. 
But if you haven't already, please leave us a review. Um, do check out our new website where we're going to be posting quite a few new features on there, and you know keep interacting with us on Twitter, and you know we'll keep doing our keep keep doing our thing. Um, thanks again, David. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you, and um, I hope to speak to you sometime again soon. Thanks. It's uh, it's been really great hopping on and i hope everybody keeps buying the handbooks and keeps supporting this because there's a lot of great young people behind this in every different area from audio to written to you know to graphics illustrations um you know people that were marketing this and putting it out there as well and promoting it nicely on their instagram accounts the twitter accounts so i think it's really really important to support this type of journalism um and i hope everybody continues to do so well that's that's fantastic of you to say david thanks very much i mean on behalf of the team you know we all thank you and thanks for your contributions and stuff but um yeah uh that is just about it for episode six of the scouted football podcast bit of a spanish theme to this one um we'll be back in the near future bye-bye